Hi, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. Every week, I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high-impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Thank you for joining me. This conversation was such a delight for me. I got to talk with a friend that I've known for 20 years from way back in our graduate school days at the Kennedy School, Jennifer Anastasoff. Jennifer is a serial entrepreneur and has spent the past two decades identifying gaps, breakdowns, and plain inefficiencies in our various social systems and responding to them by building real, lasting solutions. Her superpower is bringing together incredible talent, building high-functioning, high-impact teams that work really well together and actually solve real social problems. Jennifer was a founding member of the U.S. Digital Service at the White House and served as their head of people from 2014 until 2017. She helped to create a truly diverse, cross-functional pipeline of digital talent from all over the country and move them into our federal government to make it better, more diverse, and more efficient. She also served as founding CEO of FuseCore, as well as founder and CEO of multiple other social entrepreneurs, all focused on bringing technical and operational skills into the public sector. Because she's founded and grown so many organizations, I wanted to talk with Jennifer about life lessons. Now, that may seem fuzzy, but stick with me. As I get older and I move farther down the path of my own career journey, I find my mind often goes in the direction of sense-making. What can I learn from what I and others have experienced so that I can help the organizations and leaders I work with have the impact they're trying to have without the same trials and heartache that I and so many of my peers have undergone? How can we serve as bridges for one another? How can we turn the lessons in our own lives into footbridges for others to walk over, making their own paths easier? And that's what I wanted this conversation to be, and that's what it is, and I love it. Jennifer is just so great at sense-making, at looking at the times in her own life when an initiative, an organization has not worked out the way she planned, and translating those failures into fuel for future experiments. And also looking at the times where she's gone farther than she imagined, where something that she's helped to build has surpassed the impact she ever dreamed, and calling those lessons as fuel as well. Towards the end of the conversation, I share a story with Jennifer about how an old friend teased me about being a road most traveled girl. For those of you who are familiar with the Frost poem, we were exploring how people navigate risk in order to have the impact that they want to have on the world. Later, we were off tape and Jennifer shares that she's always felt that I'm actually someone who takes an untraveled road and helps lay down the path for others. And it's true, I enjoy the challenge of walking alongside people into an open field where nothing has been built and helping create something that that matters and that lasts. I didn't have an opportunity during our call to say to Jennifer, so I'll say it here. There's another choice that Frost's poem doesn't mention. Jennifer doesn't choose the most 
traveled path or the least traveled path. She clears a new path through the brush. She's the person who actually inspired my own social entrepreneurship way back in my early, early 20s, watching her build her very first organization while still navigating grad school. So I'm just thrilled that she has joined me in today's episode and that she shares so many of her insights and lessons. I hope they are inspirational for you as well. Enjoy. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I am great. It's so great to see you, Brooke. It's great to see you. We were talking right before we came on camera, I guess, um, about how long we've known each other. Um, And so I'm really excited that this is such a great excuse to come back together and talk. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm very sad that throughout COVID, I haven't been able to find out where you are and sleep on your couch because I feel like that's a real missing piece of my life. (laughs) I know. Absolutely. Um, So... One of the things that I'm really excited to talk to you about is just your experience and journey as a serial social entrepreneur. Um, You were, and I think I've probably mentioned this to you, one of the sources of sort of greatest inspiration to me when I was thinking about starting my organization many, many years ago. Um, I had already observed and talked with you um, about the founding of Building Blocks International back when we were in graduate school. Um, and I'm pretty sure I told you this story last time. You may not have known about the impact that it had on me, but you were the first person that articulated the difference between entrepreneur and entrepreneur. And I was telling you about sort of my plans and you um, you you coaxed me along <laughs> and my my social entrepreneurship journey. And so um, as I've been doing work in my accelerator program and my launch lab program with growth stage organizations, I just thought talking with you and picking your brain about the various experiences you've had starting, building, and growing really incredible organizations could be amazing for my listeners um, and for the folks that I that I work with. So I would love to start with you and your origin story. Um, mm-hmm. What are you doing right now? And how have you found your way here? <laughs> yeah. Um, when you call it an origin story, I feel a bit like a Marvel superhero. So <laughs> why I say it that way. (laughs) You are a superhero. Um, We should all be superheroes in some way. (laughs) That's true. That's true. In our own lives, to our, to our family, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but no, thank you, Brooke. And, and I love that, uh, that some of my early trials and travails uh, had positive impacts on you. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm still in therapy, but I still feel like. There's pros and cons to everything. There are pros and cons to everything. Um, But my origin story. So let's see. So right now uh, I'm executive director of an organization called the Tech Talent Project. Um, we do a few different things, right? So um, one of the key thing that we do is we help to identify folks who have technical skill sets and technical leaders um, from outside of government and inside of government and basically help to support them. Um, and 
and help. We're trying to build a, a community of individuals who really deeply care about public service and who have a senior level, executive level technical skill set, because it's something that's so critical. As we've seen just over the last few uh, several months with COVID, when stuff fails, like we don't really think about the technology that's in our lives and how it changes us and, you know, our various computer systems that we carry in our hands. And I remember I had a, I'm not going to, I'm going to date myself, but I remember the palm I used to carry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, my, my son's school has a, um, you have to do, you know, the health checks to, to bring to school. And the first day of school, the whole system shut down in New York City Department of Education. I I read about that. We had to like fill out forms at the front door to get into the, you know, so absolutely. And we don't, I mean, I just said we don't think about it until it goes away, right? Because it's just life runs the way it's supposed to run until you can't get access to your unemployment insurance and everyone needs it um, or very, very many people need it. Or, you know, there's a break and you can't get access to uh, your your uh, electronic benefit transfers for food. Um, and a lot of that happened at the same time during COVID. So people were able to see it again and again, where we needed to rely on technology and we just weren't able to um, in certain cases. And yet there's also like the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. They're constantly, and your story about New York, I mean, I just remember that being everywhere because that's just a day. Like, can you imagine just a, that's just a day? And it was really annoying for you as a parent. And I'm sure. And, um, and there, you know, and there were long lines and it was, you know, work day. And yet there are people who, you know, rely on our government. There are folks who rely on our government every day um, and who face that consistently in every way that they interact with our government and it's just not okay um and so there are folks that have been trying to to work on that for a while from inside government there are folks who've been trying to work on that for a while from outside of government and it's just something that needs to be focused on so i've been really excited to focus on that um and it it's funny because so that's the first piece is we we focus on humans um we also uh, write and document the gaps between what we would like to be doing and what our policies that we've agreed upon say that we need to be doing and uh, and and the gaps in our systems where we actually need leadership who have this technical knowledge. Like, why is this important? Uh, so wrote a few papers uh, after I left the federal government um, that talk about mobilizing tech talent into government and, um, you know, and uh, what does a 21st century government look like? And we wrote it about 18 years in the 21st century. So that's great. Um, <laughs> but it's good. We should get there. Yeah, um, so, you know, so that, that's been great. And then the third thing that we focus on uh, is really working with governments and helping them very directly um, to understand, okay, well, what do you really, what's a business problem that you're trying to solve? And how do you do that? And where do tech people come in to play? Um, where does process come into play more than technology? What do you, what, what's holding you back? And weirdly, like a lot of the things that hold our, our, our various governments back um, would be things like, um, you know, would be things like uh, uh, if you, it's hard to hire people and you can't, it takes, you know, a year to bring someone in. That's really hard to hire them then. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just a year. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's someone's in, in the tech sector. Someone's had two jobs by then. <laughs> um, sorry, but that's what we, that's what I do now. Um, but it's so funny because it's directly related to when you and I were in grad school <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, uh, worked with, uh, 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 
a friend of mine from, from grad school, Peggy and uh, Peggy Kong and some others. And we'd started this group uh, called um, the t- called uh, Building Blocks International. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's interesting because I look back at that and it was such a huge learning experience. And we tried so hard. Uh, yeah. I think about so many folks who are amazing who are in New York right now. Yeah. Uh, um and I, I don't want to say all their names because I feel I feel bad, but um, but because this is such a popular show, I don't want them to get <laughs> overwhelmed um, with with fan mail. But um, but what we were looking at through with building blocks was trying to figure out how do we how do we bring expertise that exists in the private sector mm-hmm. and match it with expertise that exists in the public sector so that we can serve people better and so that you know and. Um, and so being that bridge was a really big deal. Um, and we spent be a common theme sort of yeah, it's definitely. of different worlds. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we used to call it, I mean, I remember we called it a multicultural, like it was just thinking about it as a multicultural jump going from business to nonprofit and going from, uh, or when we were in Chile, sin fin de lucro, uh, or, and going from, uh, you know, going from, you know, one country to another at that time. And I still think it's definitely a bridge and a jump to go from tech to government or, you know, it's, yeah. it's huge. there's just different, huge, different priorities, different language, you yeah. know, just so much. Um, so that's been awesome to go down that path. But I will say, you know, we ended up closing down building blocks after I think it was seven years and we had all tried so hard yeah. and we're trying to figure out, we thought, gosh, darn it. Um, there is, we can be, this is going to be a social enterprise and um, there's a business model in here somewhere that has like a positive, like triple bottom line outcome. (laughs) Companies are going to pay for this to send their people to go do good things in the world. Um, We had like an amazing conference with, um, with companies from around the country and we were able to do partners and partners. Oh yeah. We were providing technical assistance. We're doing so much support. Um, but ultimately, it turns out, now stop me if you already knew this before, but it turns out companies didn't want to pay at the time uh, to like actual money to us uh, to, <laughs> so for their people to not work yes. at their company. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and it was interesting because from our high level perspective, we were like, it has to be, we, people have to go for at least a year or six months, right? But a lot of companies were looking at, well, we'll let people go for a month and it'll be like a really interesting thing. Um, but from our perspective, because we were bridging, it takes a lot of preparation and effort to send someone only for a month. Right. Um, and a lot of money then and a lot of support to send someone only for a month. And not everyone was willing to invest in that, right? They wanted to just send their folks have their folks have a good time and then come back. Um, And so it was a huge learning because we just, you know, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. Like we can do this, we can do this. And Mm -hmm. it needed to be sustainable in some way, whether it be through foundation funding or whether it be through, um, through funding from companies. And it just wasn't going to be sustainable. And it was so sad the day that I was like, that is not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like my little, you know, I'm not going to say it was like my little baby went away. (laughs) it was so sad, um, but I will say this, and I, I wouldn't have been able to say that at the time. Everything that's happened since, working at, you know, helping to start up the United States Digital Service, which there were many people that helped start that, that up, um, working on other um, uh, nonprofit organizations and social enterprise organizations, everything that, that's my dog, she says hi, um, everything that's happened 
um, since then has so deeply been informed by everything that I learned in you know that first time. Interesting. I so a that makes total sense. You know, we don't know when we're going through an experience how formative and informative that experience is going to be. Um, I also, and I want to dig a little deeper into that, but one of the things that I heard in the very hard decision to close down um, was, and this is something that as organizations are in startup mode, I remember when I was starting, I kept getting the question, why do you need to exist, right? Like what, why you, right? Why this organization doing this thing? Um, and you know, I'll be honest, I was a little offended by the question, you know, (laughs) I just told you why, like, I don't you see what I'm doing. Right. And one of the things that I talk so much about with my students and my accelerator is I have a gut about what I'm doing and, and it's working, but what you said about sustainability, right. Is there a sustainable, repeatable way to meet the need that I've identified and that can be really hard to shine light on because you, you, the problem didn't go away, right? The problem you had identified, the building blocks was responding to, was, is still there. Um, so that can be really hard. And I just sort of wanted to lift up that that question about sustainability, you know, it's a different question than the funders were asking, like, why do you need to exist? It's how can we exist? Um, How do we do this in a sustainable way? And that's one of the indicators of organizational health. I'm really glad you you highlighted that. Um, What's another lesson, right? You said, you said that, um, you know, that that experience um, helped shape sort of some of your later experiences. What's another example of something that grew out of that? I mean, One of the things, well, actually, I would I would jump to there. You brought out and lifted up organizational sustainability. Mm-hmm. For me, both that and and I think there were a couple of other subsequent experiences that where this really came out brought up like individual like human sustainability for me as an individual, which at the very beginning, as you know, Brooke, was not my priority. <laughs> to be fair, we were also in our mid-20s. Like, I don't know very many people at that age whose sleep is as important as it turns out it is. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's really important now. <laughs> I feel like yes, exactly. I try to tell my three-year-old all the time, mommy wants to take a nap. Like you should be fighting this. <laughs> it's I, I'm very sad that my my child, who is far, she just looks at me and she's like, "Mommy, why do you take naps?" And I say, "Well, baby, you trained me to take naps. So we would take naps together, and it was glorious. And then you stopped, and that was you who made that choice. Mama did not stop." <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I think this is something, and yes, we were in our twenties and this is very true, but I think I remember I had so many other friends and colleagues at the time who were starting up and who were beginning. And in our beginnings, we overlooked things like healthcare and (laughs) sleep. And, you know, and I remember I had a part-time job and, you know, while I was starting, you know, we had, I left grad school. Yeah, had a part-time job. I uh, got great discounts uh, on on various skincare products from my yeah. job, um, in order to be able to support my ability to run a social enterprise. And at some point, I had to really think through that sustainability 
for the organization, but also at that point, like for me as well. Absolutely. And what did that mean? And I think that changed as a, as, as time change. Um, but part of that means like having, being able to, to, and this is such a hard thing in our sector, being able to advocate for ourselves and for each other in having a healthy, um, a healthy experience as much as possible. Right. Like, absolutely. Um, and you know, that doesn't mean we work very hard and I haven't met people who, Workers, like when we're trying to, like we ever, a lot of our folks in our sector have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We've identified a problem. Yes. We lost problem that society. impacts our society. A yeah. real problem that impacts our society. We must solve it at all costs. And one of the things that I ultimately ended up coming to is, I should say a few of the lessons that I ended up coming to. One, it's important for me to be healthy. And it's important for me um, to sleep occasionally. And, you know, um, even if it's different than other people and other uh person I love uh, to death, who is a social entrepreneur, has been very successful. Um, we both bonded on the fact that when we had our baby, it was like having a um, our social enterprise because you're up at two anyway, so you might as well work while it's quiet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's taking care of you, but there's, all, and I would also say it's, um, for me, it became a priority because I'd seen it when it didn't work uh, to care for my team. Yeah, um, right. And to really push myself to understand what that means and to push myself to understand um, how much work can something take and, you know, to constantly struggle. It's never, it's never a thing I know with regards to this, but I'm constantly struggling to say, how do we push people to get to a certain level and the team to get to a certain benchmark and level? Um, but also, how do we teach ourselves and, 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 and the teams that I'm working on uh, and leading uh, to help prioritize so that they so that they're not running themselves into the ground because they do think that something that happens in the sector is we sort of, you know, because we have the weight of the world on our shoulders, we say our health or the health of the folks that work with us don't matter. And, and that's just not the case. Like we need to invest in ourselves and we need to invest in supporting each other in order to be able to be successful. So that's why I'm really excited about what you're doing. Well, you know, it's interesting. Thank you. It's, it's interesting because, um, I think a lot these days about budgets. <laughs> yes, yes. I know, really sexy. Um, they are. Everybody must know how to read a budget. I know, right? Just like post-its. Um, but, but more um, really in terms of what you're talking about, that I cannot tell you how many times I see a budget from one of the organizations that I'm working with and, you know, the executive director's salary isn't in there, right? Yeah, that's not or, they're like, we actually need six people to actually have the impact over the next year or two years that we want to have. But I can't quite see how we're going to get the money for six people. So we have three people in this budget. That part, And then what happens is you take the three people and they work as if they're six people, right? You yeah. take the executive director who is scrimping and saving and not taking a salary and he or she or they work as if they are the executive director, right? The leader of the team. And so when I, what I hear you talking about is that personal sustainability, the sustainability of the people on the team and organizational sustainability, going back to this question of, is this model 
sustainable? Can we do this or can we have this impact over time? Those things are deeply intertwined. And yes. that being honest about the organizational stability requires being honest about the personal sustainability. Oh, 100%. Because I mean, I remember the day that someone said, what if something happens to you, Jennifer? Like, what is going to happen? <laughs> have you thought about that? And, and the answer was like, I can't think about that. I don't have time to think about that. Um, And yet uh, it, and and also I would say that for me, it was a little bit of also, well, what, it wasn't just that, I guess it was, it was a little bit of like, well, what's going to happen without me? Like this can't work without me, which is a little bit of that ego where you you got to let, at some point you let that go and you go, oh, things will happen without me. It may not be what I want. Exactly. It'll happen. That's right. And how can I calibrate that? Yeah. How do I calibrate that? And how do I build it so that there's constantly, so that I'm, I'm constantly looking at like at succession. I'm constantly looking at where, not just where, you know, um, uh, uh, who can be an amazing, uh, uh, who can be an amazing person who could step in for me if necessary. But like, is everyone else on the team thinking about that? <laughs> right? Yeah. What happens if you need to go out for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about this, you know, last year, uh, I took a break from the work that I was doing here and I ended up helping out with the transition um, uh, with the Biden-Harris transition. And so I had to just check out. Um, and I actually looked at that as a test of myself and my leadership, um, which was, you know, how's it going to go? I hope I, I hope I did well <laughs> in preparing my colleagues yeah. and set them up for success. And I'm not going to say it was easy for them or easy for me, but, um, but they're pretty amazing. And they were able to show that. And it's also a lesson for me as a founder. And it has always been every time I've done this, mm-hmm. if I, if I ever said, I remember there was a point, I can't remember when that point was Brooke, but like <laughs> where, where I said, I need to take vacation because yeah. that'll remind me yeah. that I am not required for day to day. And it will help me understand what my team can do without any of my input. Yeah. Right. Cause that's hard. It's just so hard as a founder. For me, it was um, when I had my first son and the maternal yeah. process of preparing a parental leave sort of yeah. structure. Um, and, and actually a lot of people have heard me tell this story because it was traumatic and also wonderful and also a key lesson about what you're talking about. I, um, the day that I found out I was having Robert, my, I get to work and I'm like, it's, there's me, there's one other full-time person and a part-time associate. That's our team. And we're, we're doing it right. We're plugging along. And Right. And so I'm like, okay, how am I going to prepare this team in, you know, a year? Like now my whole time horizon on strategic planning has shifted. That Mm -hmm. day, my director of programs tells me that she is pregnant. Which means that there will be a period of time in the next six to seven months where she is gone and it's just me and a program associate. And then I am gone and just (gasps) an associate. Neither one of those options was tenable, right? For it's like, we just, that, that wouldn't have, that happened. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, congratulations. I gave her a hug. I go outside and I sat down on a stoop, literally like on the ground and sobbed. And I was like, the organization is going under, right? Yeah. It cannot survive this. Yeah. So 
Spoiler alert, it did. <laughs> but but it was my first lesson in exactly what you just said. I had to think, I had to separate the institution from me. Yeah. And I had to think what are the structures that need to be in place for this thing to be okay yes. without me. And it stress tested my team. You know, we hired a director of operations. I had never even thought of a director of operations. Yeah. You know, we got a new book. It's all of the things that we did. And it was a better, stronger organization when I came back than uh-huh. when I left. Um, so, so you talked about succession planning. I would love to hear some other sort of lessons, wins, things that as you have worked with organizations that are growing, right, that are yeah. doing the work, what else do you now, after your years of experience, know you ought to be thinking about in this growth stage organization, right? Succession planning, institution building, what else is there? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, speaking of spoiler alerts, it's all about people as far as I, as far as I get, right? It's about the team. It's about building for me. It's, it's about building that bench for the organization consistently to say, who would I want to have on board? Who Mm -hmm. uh, do we need to have on board? Um, but, Jumping from the succession concept, it's, again, what does it really take to build and and really pushing myself? Because I actually think, you know, look, now that I've been doing it for a couple of decades, (laughs) I come from a place like it, 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 you know, from a place of privilege of folks knowing me, of having some access to people who care about this work, um, of being able to have built relationships and trust-based relationships over years. Um, I didn't have that at the beginning, right? And so, you know, uh, and so I'd be hanging out with you and have to go take a call (laughs) because I'm going to take that call right now. Um, But but what I will say is um, one of the things that I didn't do that I think I would do knowing what I know now um, is I would have rather than just try to second guess funders or folks who are trying to think about whether or not this work, uh, whether or not they wanted to invest in this work, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have presented, I always wanted it to be right, like, and, and to present it as I am, I've got this. I am so good. I have thought through everything. I have got this. And I, you know, especially early on, I didn't want to bring everyone in to sort of the messy, yeah, to just see all the messiness and to like poke holes um, because I wasn't comfortable yet with all of the messiness and all of the holes. Um, and it just turns out that some parts of these processes are messy. Um, and I would have, I think, provided and, and tried to come up with, rather than saying, like, here's the thing that's done, you know, I, I would have said to both supporters and, and potential funders and folks, here's, here's what we can do with what we've got. Mm-hmm. Here's what we would like to do and could do with more folks, right? Um, yeah. Here's and in you know there are a th- couple of ways to do it, right? One would have, one is and that I do kind of now, which is the the you know uh, you know I have like a 15 year old. I used to have a 15 year old Toyota. I loved it. Um, I just recently got rid. Of, it was very sad. Like my daughter oh, not yeah. me for getting rid of it. Yeah, but the <laughs> but the 15 year old Toyota version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then there's the, you know, then there's the kind of mid-range version and then there's the high range version. But there's also this like, here are the things that we could do. Here's how here's what it would take and helping others to be part of that decision making process. Yeah. To say, 
you know, we could do all of these. We can't do all of these things. We can do a, a good amount if we had additional resources and support. Here's what each of these things would do. Where's, where's the energy? And for me, I just wanted to be so right that my path was the right path, mm-hmm. that it was hard for me to say, where's the energy? But it turns out mm-hmm. that if we did any of these, you know, any of this list of things, yes. it would be great. Um, it's just, you know, anyway, I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I think what I hear you saying is the, the operations of it, right? Like what you do in any given month or in any given year is perhaps less important than where you're going, right? So here's, here's where we are. Here's what we want to do. Here's the vision for where we could get, right? Here's the aspirational vision, and let's co-create this journey, right? Yes. Let's, let's do this together. Here's what your role could be. Here's what my role could be. Um, I think the clarity of the vision is important, right? Nobody wants to come in and be like, you know, you're just. You have no idea what's going on. I don't know what's happening. But that's not what, it, what I hear you saying. It's no. like, you know, here's what, here's what, you know, a mid-range growth vision is. Here's what like a genie came down and said, you have all the resources you want vision is. Here's the outcome, the impact right. you have. And now where's the energy? What's exciting to you? What role would you like to play? Let's do this together. And I think uh-huh. you say that to your staff and your board and your advisors and your network and yes. your supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, vulnerability. Yeah. It requires vulnerability and and a, a bit of a loss of control, right? Like, and it, I had to come to the point where, I mean, and it's, I, I was, um, it's interesting. I, I use a quote from Colin Powell, actually quite a, quite a bit from this book because um, it really hit me. Um, and, um, you know, moment of silence was sad uh, to see him pass yesterday. Um, but what, you know, he, I remember he said in his book, like, if I have 70%, and I think it was 70. <laughs> this is what I say now. This is what I remember now. Yes. If I have, if I have 70% of the information that I need to make a decision, then I got to make the decision. Mm. Um, I kind of translate that a little bit into like, you know, if, if I can get 70% of the way there, 80% of the way there with a bunch of people who are as excited as I am, that's a lot better than getting 0% of the way there with my perfect, beautiful mwah, vision, right? <laughs> like, that's so true. Yeah, that's so true. I love that the people, the people are where it's at. I have to say, I'm, I'm really happy you're highlighting that because that was perhaps my hardest one lesson. Yeah, you know, I, as you may remember, am a bit of a perfectionist, um, <laughs> and I have plans for my plans and want to make sure. You know, a, a dear friend in college said to me one time you know, the poem, Two Roads to Virgin Wood, I chose the one least traveled. He's like, you are a road most traveled girl. <laughs> you are like, which way is paved with lights and rest stops and like teeny little maps drawn along the way, right? Um, I think I am perhaps less like that now, you know, than I was. Um, and having started organizations and watched them go the way that they go helps with that. But I... I think you're right. You have to let go. I had to learn to let go of that need to show everyone that I had everything figured out, you know, that all of the spreadsheets in the world with all of the like color coded, you know, evaluation data wasn't going to get me 
where I wanted to go unless I could get buy-in and support and excitement. And that meant saying, let me open the closet and show you the messiness. And here's what I think it will look like when it's clean. Yeah. Let's get there. Yeah, absolutely. So, So with all of this in mind, what would you say are your two greatest pieces of advice or sort of biggest words of wisdom for folks that are on the journey now, right? Growth stage organizations, they're trying to build something that has impact, figure out if it's sustainable, right? They're in that early to mid phase with their organizations. What would you say? There are two, they're kind of related, um, but maybe not as much. We'll see when they come out. We'll see when they come out. One is, I would say don't burn your bridges and this is where, or I would say like, keep, stay in touch with folks. There are going to be disappointments along the way. Um, And they may have to do with things, you know, choices you've made. They may have to do with choices others have made. But the fact is the number of people who I have stayed in touch with and who are critical to various pieces of, you know, various social enterprises um, that I've started, um, the number of people who were critical early on and who were part of the process early on uh, and who popped up later for different reasons, um, it's, it's, I mean, I can't imagine what would have happened if I was... If, if I had taken everything that happened throughout the whole process personally, <laughs> like, I just, because everyone was so, you know, everyone, folks really want, when you are thrilled and when you care about something, folks want to support that. Yes. And um, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it does work out, but, um, but caring about and treasuring the people that you engage and get to know and bring along the way mm-hmm. 20 years later, turns out to be a really big deal. But it matters. Yeah. <laughs> it actually matters. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's one um, because I so said that's one. And then another uh, is because I started so early in starting new things, mm-hmm. I didn't really have um, like a, a boss in a place or a set of bosses in a place where I could work and meet lots of people and learn things within a low stakes environment. Everything always felt high stakes to me. Yeah. And, um, and so I had to figure out, like, if, if you're running an organization, you can't, you know, you, you can't always uh, reach out and share everything with the folks that you're working with because it's not appropriate all the time to right. do so. Not um, yeah. Right. And so I, one of the things that I did that I, find to be useful in situations like that is I started, I can't remember where I looked it up, um, but I started at some point to create like my own personal board of directors. No, I talk, it's my crew. I had a sustainable sisterhood. Absolutely. People have heard You me had t- a sustainable sisterhood. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I cannot do it alone. Yay. Say more about that. <laughs> and like, and you will appreciate my nerdiness on this, but I would literally create like every five years or so I have created a PowerPoint. And about me and my vision and my journey and my goals and my challenges. And I will share that with my personal board of directors. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember, I can't remember what the thing was that I was thinking about doing, but I was talking to to one of my personal boards of directors (laughs) slash peoples. uh, And, uh, and I remember saying, 
well, I have this opportunity and I'm really thinking about it. And here are the pros and here are the cons and really working it through. And here's my recent deck about me. I don't even know where they are now, but like I just share them at the time. <laughs> and I remember uh, this mentor saying, if you choose to do this, you should totally do what you need to do. But it seems like a horrible choice for you. And I will remove myself from your board of directors. You know, you don't want to do Wow. <laughs> and I didn't do the thing. And it turns out to be a really, really good choice. But I remember like that, yeah. the impact that that had on me and that someone cared so much yeah. about me that they were willing <laughs> to just- like you had the right, right people in the crew. Yes. I had the right people in the crew. And so I just would urge, especially at that time when you feel so much like you're trying to you know, there are so many hard times where you're just like, no, I can, I have it together. Yeah. <laughs> I you put know? my head down and just like, keep going, you know? Yeah. And that's just a recipe for burnout <laughs> and, like, and being tired. And, um, and so being able to reach out and, and to build that in whatever way is comfortable for you. Those would be my two, my two. I think they are perfect. I love that. What a wonderful note to end on. This Yay. was um, exactly the conversation that I was hoping to have. I feel Yay. like in old days, sitting with our coffee and, you know, I got mine. Yep, ready. Right right. this is. Look at that. That's my big coffee mug. Well, it was really great talking to you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and, and what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and I love talking to you as always. Thank you, Brooke. And thanks for the opportunity. I love advice because it's just like experience picked up, dusted off. And I hope this works for you too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Brooke. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with me and Jennifer. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and please share with your friends. And if you really liked it, I would love if you would leave a review. You can navigate to Apple Podcasts and simply click leave a review. I'd love to share just a few resources before we hop off. If you're the leader of a six-figure organization and you're ready to scale to the next level of impact and funding, check out my free training series, Scale to Impact. I pull back the curtain on the critical shifts that you and your organization need to undergo to make sure that you're actually prepared to get to and sustain seven figures in budget and impact. You can access that at richiebabbage.com backslash scale to impact. And finally, if you'd like just a little more leadership in your life, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. Each week I curate and share three articles two resources and a quote on a theme. You can access that at richiebabbage.com backslash leadership forward 321. That's all for now. Have a great week and I will see you back here next week for more Mastermind.